0: All right, well, hey, man, that's really loud. Hey, I'll ask y'all's opinion on this, because I struggle every time I come up here. So that, that sticker of Charlie's face, how sh- should I set my cup on top of it? Should I set the Bible on top of it? Should it be upside down? I usually choose just to set my cup on it, because it looks like he's watching me, you know, especially if he's not here. Like, man, I feel like, oh, man, he's listening in. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm Mark, uh, executive pastor here. I'm glad you're you're here with me and decided to join us this morning, whether you're in the house or online. You know, if you've been keeping up, we're walking through the um, some parables, and we spent quite a lot of time in Luke. We were in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 16. Uh, Charlie started us out with some Luke chapter 18 last week, and I'm gonna take another little section of, of Luke chapter 18, and this is a, a parable that is... <laughs> I mean, I loved it last week if you were here, like, I mean, Jesus just said, instead of all the code and all of the confusion and the explanation later on, he just came out in the beginning and said, hey, this is what this is going to be about. And this is kind of the same thing. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And if you just, you know, if you just read it, you'd go, okay, I mean, I know what he's saying there. And the, you know, the topic is something that we could easily just say, okay, I got that and roll on. I don't want us to miss it this morning, because I really think that what's at the heart of this parable is really applicable for us. And if we don't stop and think about it a minute, we might we might just miss it. I think it may be really applicable for us, especially just just right now, in in the state of the world and, and what our lives are like. And um, so to kind of set it up, I um, little known fact some people may know I'm mean, like I. There's a few things that I really want to do that I've never done, and one of those is surf. I've always, I've always wanted to be a surfer. Now, I think I would be a horrible surfer, honestly. Like Anything that's ever had to do with balance, I, uh, I did not do well in. Uh, but I think it's as much, much about the act of surfing, maybe it's, it's, it may be even more about the surf culture, just my, what I perceive the surf culture to be, like everybody's pretty laid back and chill. And since I'm not by nature laid back and chill, I just like... I just like to listen to some Jack Johnson and pretend like, you know, I'm chilling out by the beach more than even catching a wave maybe. Um, So I've always kind of wanted to do that. And the thing that's closest to that, you know, where we live is whitewater kayaking. It's the, you know, the boats that you get in and you strap yourself in and have the spray skirt and all of that. And a few years ago, uh, Terry and I got to spend the summer in Colorado and we saw everybody doing that. And we even saw them out there. If y'all have ever watched it, like, the way the river will move, there'll even be a wave that they'll surf it, you know, because it's got the same kind of action that, that you would have in an ocean wave almost. And, um, and so I was like, man, this is cool. Well, Colorado, you know, I got to go to California to surf, Colorado to do this. But then I got back and I'm not, no joke, just a few Sundays later, a guy was, was leaving church and he had one of those boats on top of his car. And so I said, hey, man, that's, I mean, like, do you do that? He said, yeah, I'll teach you. Little did I know, this was one of the kind of the godfathers of uh, the whitewater movement in Arkansas. He, he, he was real quick to say, all right, he met me at a pool, we spent about two hours, and I finally hit one roll, and then that weekend, he had me on a river that the, the Native American tribe in that area had called, uh, named the Skull Crusher. And it was it was funny as it wasn't really that far from my home that I you know my hometown that I grew up in. But um, so anyway, there's a lot to this story. But but that day, one thing that I learned, I was with all these veteran uh, whitewater ca- kayakers, paddlers, and here I was this newbie. And uh, and those those veterans would all go over to him and say, "Why did you bring this guy here on his first time in a boat?" And he said, "Oh, he's 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 a tough guy. He'll be all right. He can swim." So, uh, that day, I just got thrashed. I mean, the, the river just just thrashed me. I hit my head on the bottom. I, I, you know, came just up, you know, almost close to drowning. In every way that the river could thrash you, it thrashed me. And by the time the day was finished, my knuckles were still white, but I was like, man, I want to do this. Let's do this again. But I realized that what those guys would do and what I was doing in the river were, were drastically different. I was trying to manhandle the river. I, I thought that this was something like, I, I'm going to show up here and I'm going to show this river who's boss. <laughs> oh, which y'all can imagine, that just doesn't work. I can imagine that's what it would be like if I was surfing and I was trying to like manhandle the surf and then i just get pounded by the waves, you know? Those guys and those surfers, when you'll watch a video of somebody that's really good at it, man, they just, they become a part of the wave. They realize that the wave and the river Is big and powerful, so much bigger and so much powerful than they are. And they position themselves in a very humble spot to maneuver with and position themselves with the power of the river or the wave. Right? Well, I think there's something really important there. And today, this this parable is about humility. And y'all, I I can't, and I hope you walk away. My goal today is that all of us walk away remembering that humility is a really huge thing to God. You know, a few weeks ago, we looked at how big repentance is to God, how he throws parties when repentance happens. And here we are, and he talks about humility, and it is this massive theme of the Scriptures that us being humble is a big deal. Um, In fact, uh, Micah 6.8, you know, this is one of my favorite verses, that he just, there's this question that's asked. That's a question that we all have. And then there's an answer that follows right behind it. What does it, uh, what does the Lord require? Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. It's, it's, it's at the core. And, um, and I'll be honest, I got humbled a bit this week, just uh, even working through this, but had a really wild Wednesday in our house. I woke up, normal day. I uh, had a lot of things on the docket, plans, and things that I was going to try to accomplish. And then just before 8 o'clock, I get a call from my eldest that he's been in an accident. And from that moment, uh, even after I realized that he was okay, just I was just shooken. And when I showed up at the scene, and there's, the car is totaled, and I'm scanning the crowd to make sure that he's standing and okay, and there he is, and he's okay, and... At that moment, I realized that all of the things that that day had planned and all of the things that I thought were so important, and if you're a mom or a dad, you get this, like at that moment, it did, not, it did not matter. All that mattered is that my son was still breathing, and he just had a few scratches, you know? And the rest of the day, it felt that way. I tried to do something else, but I couldn't, because at the core, that day, it showed what mattered to me in my, in my heart. It, it wasn't all the things that I thought were so important, that was what mattered. He's still breathing, and it feels like if we're not careful, we'll just pass over something massive like humility, and you know, make it about other things. This happens a lot with religious people. It becomes about the do's and the don'ts. In fact, Jesus go right, goes right at it here. And if you really want to go right at it, go to uh, Matthew chapter twenty-three, where he gives the woes to the Pharisees, where the the people sometimes us who make a lot about the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is, is dirty. Something massive like humility we miss for the sake of trying to look and be right in all these areas. And God is looking at the heart and he's concerned with our humility. But I think that's because like repentance, these big things, repentance and humility, like do you really want to be humiliated? When I use that word, humiliated. You don't want to be humbled. Who wants to be humbled? Everybody, everybody signing up for that? Like, do you really want that to happen? Do you remember a time that you were humiliated, that you were, really, that you were really humbled? I think it's just so core to our human nature that we do not want to be brought low, you know? I think it's the reason why the dreams that a lot of us have had at some point, everybody's kind of like, yeah, you remember that time when you had that nightmare that you woke up and went to school, and got to school, and realized you didn't put any clothes on that morning? seems like everybody, like, at some point has had that dream, which, if you think about it, is just complete nonsense. I mean, have you ever had a dream in the middle of it? You wake up, and you go, are you thinking? And you're like, man, this, this can't be real, because this isn't true. With this one, like, I mean, you walk outside, and you don't even feel the breeze, you, you sit on the pleather seats on the bus and you don't stick to them? I mean, think about being naked on the school bus, man. You're not going to get up off that seat. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things that would have kept you from actually getting to school naked, but uh, here we still have this dream and we're afraid because why? Because we would be humiliated because we would be exposed. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be humiliated. We want to protect and show the front that we want everybody to see. So... So let's look at this, and I'm just uh, challenging you maybe to like really consider what, what Jesus might be wanting to say to you this morning. So it's Luke uh, chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 9. And like I said, he just comes straight out. He said, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Let me stop right there for a second before I actually uh, read the parable. It says, the people that he's talking to, they trusted in themselves, assuming or, or presuming that their, their righteousness was enough. Now, even though all of us would say, uh, you know, no, nobody's perfect, at the same time, this group that he's speaking to assumes that their righteousness is enough. So they're trusting in themselves But then what happens when you begin to trust in yourself and you realize that you're really not all that? Well, in order to make somebody who's not all that feel like they're all that, what you have to do is bring others down. I was talking to one of my boys this week about that. that, I mean, this happens all the time with friends, especially when you're young, but I think, man, it happens no matter how old you get. To make one person feel better, a lot of times the reason they're mean to others is that they just want to, if they can bring you a step lower, then it makes them feel a a step higher. And so Jesus says, this is that group. They're trusting in themselves, and so they're treating others with contempt. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I see a lot uh, just watching my five-year-old twins and how they interact with one another of just what's really true. I've seen what they do and what, you know, a 50-year-old friend does is really the same thing, but they just don't try to cover it as well. You know, they don't haven't figured out how to do that yet. And so all the time, if I say something good about one, the other will immediately cut me off and say, well, I'm that too. It, it happened at the pool yesterday. Darcy was was there with me, and we were swimming. And this, this cute little girl, I don't even know, two, two, maybe three years old, her family's walking away, and they're ahead of her, and she's just running past us real quick, and she's got this really cute little run and I just looked over at it and said boy you're quick you're fast and before I could even get it out of my mouth Darcy said well I'm faster than that <laughs> I'm like, girl can I not just say something nice about her no no I'm faster than that but y'all know we're just we're just like that Um, So here's what Jesus says. Here's the here's the parable, and it's not it's not that long, but there's just uh, a powerful picture here. He says, two men went up to to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus: "God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, uh, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector." I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went, uh, went down to his house justified, rather than the other. And then this really critical line that uh, we'll see is, is repeated earlier in Luke. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So you got two men, two very different reasons for going to the temple, two very different prayers at the temple. I think uh, one interesting thing is just the direction of their prayer. If you look at the Pharisees' prayer, it sounds like one of those prayers like a, you know, a daddy might pray at dinner when the kid's not willing to eat the veggies. Like, oh, dear God, would you please uh, help Johnny to realize that those green beans will make him strong? You know, is that, is that prayer really to God or is that to Johnny, right? You've been in those places where somebody's trying to get a message to you, but they're praying, but actually they're talking to you. I mean, this this Pharisee is making sure that everybody knows his righteousness. The direction of his prayer is not is not heavenward, man. He's he's got this social thing that he's trying to do and put it under the guise of something holy and righteous. Then there's also this comparison that that's going on. You know, the the Pharisee is doing what we're talking about a minute ago. What Jesus said, he treats others with contempt. He is comparing himself with all the people around him. So he's, you know, measuring himself up and putting on the scales. Well, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and I'm better than you, and you, and him, and that. I mean, he even calls this guy, and I'm better than this guy. Who is the tax collector comparing himself with? He's comparing himself with the righteousness of God. And he's like, man, I am, I'm a filthy sinner. My only hope is your righteousness, not mine. I uh, I think I think we do this. I remember a time that um, I was taking a group of college students on this international trip, and it was right after I was like my first job, so I was just right out of college, and you know. Playing college football, I had spent a whole lot of time in college, way too much time in the weight room trying to get the size that the coaches wanted me to be, which was always this massive struggle. So I spent way too much time, and it became way too much of a focal point of my life. Um, And so, but I'd kind of gotten to the point where that's, you know, was kind of known for that. That's what I did all the time. That was kind of my persona. Well, I'm on this trip, and we're in line to go through immigration, and I'm talking to this guy behind me who is a European professional rugby player, and we're just talking, and I look over, and the group of college students that I was bringing is just, they're just over there dying laughing. They're about to fall on the ground, and I'm, and they're looking at us, and I am looking around like, why are they, why are they looking at us? And I just keep on talking to the guy, and so then here in a minute, I'm like, y'all, what was so funny? And they're like, man, I mean, this, this dude was, you know, six, 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 seven, three, whatever, just. I mean, do you look like a little like a little shrimp, man, standing next to that guy. And you know, that's, uh, isn't that true? Like whatever your area is that you think you're just all that will put you in a different pond. I love, uh, there's a song by Coldplay. Uh, I just love the line where they say, you might be a big fish in a little pond. Doesn't mean you've won, because along may come a bigger one. Right, It depends on which, which pond. Yeah, you're in a little pond, you might think you're all that, but there is a bigger pond and you're going to meet somebody. You might think you're the smartest in the room, but I guarantee you there's some rooms you could be in that you wouldn't be the smartest. Well, I'm the best, you might, but you put you in a different room. And then what this tax collector gets is if you put you in the room with Jesus, now you're really in trouble, right? <laughs> I just thought about this. Uh, Jack the other day said, Dad, wouldn't it be cool if we could walk on water? That'd be awesome. And I said, Man, did you realize Jesus did that? And he went, No. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, so, when you just look at this parable, honest to goodness question, y'all. Which one is you? You got two men, they're at this temple you're at church this morning, which one of these looks most like you? And be careful before you just immediately jump to the tax collector in that position of humility, because I think there are a lot of things going on right now that you feel like your opinion on whatever that topic is puts you in a different category, and you can look over at the other group and point a finger and say I'm better than because of this or that or the other. I just think there's a lot of things going on that are spinning that you may not realize your pride and lack of humility. I might not realize it. It may be so thick and, and hidden from me that I'm not, I'm not seeing it, and that's the reason I think it's, I think it's really important. Jesus, man, he loves some humility, And uh, like I said here at the end, he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said that earlier in Luke chapter 14. So there's another parable there that I want to read for us. And in this parable, Jesus is is hanging out. He's eating with some Pharisees. And he says, uh, now he told this parable to those who were invited uh, when he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, When you were invited by someone to the, to a wedding when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may be in invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin uh, with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the, the lowest place. So that when the host comes and asks you, a friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who humbles himself will... Uh, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Y'all probably, I mean, in the days that you've lived seen this thing that Jesus is saying right here be true in your own life, or you've watched it be true, where somebody tries to promote themselves to a position or talk themselves up, and then it's really, really humiliating when they have to be brought low. And then somebody who's just humble, you know, and like time, and 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 it just, it tells. And then they all of a sudden, you just see that, 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 that in that humility, it's a beautiful thing when that person gets lifted up. I mean, athletics is an easy place to watch it because you can just see somebody trying to do that and then somebody else not. In fact, uh, when I got to college, uh, there was a, this tailback who was the best athlete that I had ever seen. The only problem is he thought that he was even better than that. And so he told everybody about it and he talked it up and anybody played in front of him for a second. He was mouthing the coach and he just he thought that he was really something. There was another guy that came in the same time I did that had transferred from Florida from the University of Florida and he didn't even say it. I didn't find out until I'd already played with him a couple years that he had two national championship rings. Because he didn't talk about it. You know the first guy? He lasted about a semester. The other guy? Played till he finished and got all kinds of awards, and, but you never would have known it. This thing that Jesus is talking about is just true. And he says the one who, who does this self-promotion, God is about humbling those people. He, he does that. In fact, I'm fixing to show you some verses where it says over and over and over again that God does that. Self-promoters, people who do, he, he brings them down. But then he, he loves to take those people who are humble, and he loves to use those people because when he uses those people, just like we looked at in those different stories like Gideon, like he loves to take the, the impossible and then he, he steps in and it shows off his power in those who are actually humble. The, uh, let me just go ahead and give you a few of those. Uh, Psalm eighteen twenty seven says, you rescue those who are humble, but you humiliate the proud. Watch, watch the theme in each one of these. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Psalm 147. Proverbs 3.34. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Luke chapter one, uh, this is Mary talking after she finds out that she's with child. She says, he has brought down ruler, rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And then James chapter 4 and First Peter chapter 5, both of these make the same. There's two statements, and they're repeated both in James and in First Peter. One is, humble yourselves uh, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And in First Peter, the way it says it is, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you. That's uh, my favorite, by the way, First uh, Peter 5, 6, and 7. Y'all need to check that out. But um, the other thing that's repeated in both of these, and this may be the best of all, is uh, in, in James chapter 4 and in First Peter chapter 5, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you want the divine favor of God upon your life? He gives grace to the humble. He exalts the humble. I mean, again and again and again. He opposes the proud. Do you want his opposition against you? God really likes humility. I, uh, you know, thinking about this wreck that we had this week, I thought back about accidents that I've been a part of, and uh, one of my most humiliating days was, uh, was an accident I had when I was in high school, and I was, I was driving, you know, in our small town, there was one red light at this end of town and one red light at this end of town, <laughs> and, uh, and I was about halfway between the two, and I was headed to basketball practice, I think, and I noticed up ahead at the bank on the right that the cheerleading team was doing a fundraiser, car wash, and so, you know, I'm 16-year-old I'm Mark, and I, you know, kind of lean back a little bit more in my seat and get my smile ready, you know, roll down my windows, and I start passing by, and, you know, I, whatever my slyest, like, look over, like I'm interested, but I'm not interested. Hey, what's up? You know, I look, and then when I, there's no reason for anybody to stop at that point in this town. Like, there's not a turn, There's nothing. And when I look back up, sure enough, man, this car has slammed on its brakes. And so here I go. This is right in front of the bank. So I slam on my brakes, and I slide, I mean, it's loud. And I stop, oh, man, six inches from that car's bumper. Problem is, and this was just a car, had an eight-inch trailer hitch coming out the back of it. So, so now I got the, 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 the ball of that trailer hitch in my bumper, which means now I got to get out of the car. We got to stop. They got to get out and see what damage they've got. The Please stop by, you know, everything, this whole thing. And I'm just standing there like this, and all those girls are just up there laughing their heads off. <laughs> you know, uh, I look back on that, and I'm like, man, that was a humiliating day. But you know what would have been even worse is if, if that arrogant mark had not been humiliated and allowed to just go on through that day thinking that I was something that I wasn't. When God brings humility, humility into our lives, he's doing us this massive favor because he needs to put us in our place where we realize who we really are and who he really is. And we begin to cooperate with the ocean of his power. The worst place that we can be in opposition to our God is to think that we're more than we actually are. And that inauthentic, unreal, fake version that we might want to put out on social media, but that's not necessarily true. So... We're gonna sing here for a little bit, and uh, man, if if you're in the room or if if you're at home, this is a—at least for me, man—this is a big challenge to really look at myself and ask this question: of those two, which is you? Are you the Pharisee? Are you the tax collector who sees himself in truth? So, let me let me pray that we would do that, Father. I. I see from, uh, not just from the study of, of this parable, but, my goodness, over and over and over again,